Fieldwork acknowledges the traditional custodians of the lands on which our podcast is produced. We would like to pay respect to their elders, past, present and future, and extend our respect to all First Nations people. So they were definitely a type of masculinity that I don't think is particularly... Well, we don't see so much in Australian culture. You know, I started that work in 2004, so now the opportunities for selfies and people representing themselves means that we do have this expanded sense of beauty and the body. And But it's very different to the sporting men that we see or the business men that we see. You're listening to Fieldwork, the podcast on contemporary Australian art. I'm your host, Drew Pettifer, and in Fieldwork, I bring together conversations with artists and experts discussing key themes of contemporary art practice. Today on Fieldwork, fashion and identity with Linda Walker. Uh, I'm Linda Walker. I'm an artist. Uh, I've been making mainly photographs and installations for about 25 years. Uh, They do address themes including fashion and identity and gender. Time is also important and kind of all sorts of other things. Uh, I guess in terms of perhaps thinking about fashion and identity, I'm definitely interested in, uh, and I guess also the physicality of the work, there is often a, a relationship to fashion, to materials related to fashion, such as fabric, mirrors, mirrors are important, um... And accessories as something that I've that I often work with. And you come from a photographic background as well. Which... Well, I mean, I actually come from a painting background. I studied painting, True. but a lot of work that I have done has been photographic. And and uh, but photography is a kind of problem for me in a lot of ways, which is interesting. I don't feel like a kind of natural photographer, um, and I do really I struggle with lots of aspects of photography. But certainly, the interest, the the importance of the theme of time meant that photography was a a natural place for me to go and now I just kind of mess with it a lot. (laughs) Lyndall uses photography and installation to grapple with complex questions of gender, sexuality, desire, identity and consumption. Of core concern are the distinctions between dressed bodies and undressed bodies. And certainly in different areas of fashion and more kind of people that are working on edges of like classical fashion practice, um, like this idea of uh, the representation of the body but also um, what it constitutes being dressed is definitely something that's part of really kind of the core... Um, concerns in fashion happening at the moment, and definitely um, gender as well. Hi, um, I'm Ricarda Biglin. I'm a researcher, designer and uh, academic at RMIT in the School of Fashion and Textiles. I manage uh, the Master of Fashion Design and the Year 4 Honours Fashion Design. Um, My practice and research is mainly interested in the performative and kind of sensorial aspects of fashion and high fashion and luxury fashion in a nutshell. I'm wondering if you can talk about how you see, Lyndall, the relationship between fashion and identity and obviously questions of representation through your work. Uh, I guess it's, I mean, it's cha- it changes all the time. Uh, and, and because when I first became interested in fashion and art, my interests then were very different to what they are now. Uh, and I guess currently I would say that my interest in fashion is often about gender and using items that are gendered 
or that also really invite ambiguous uh, relationships with gender. So that is sort of, to me, is currently quite important with fashion. And definitely, I, I mean, I still just love clothing. I love the way people construct an image through clothing and I I always... I often connect with people who, uh, yeah, who also love clothing and fashion. I mean, the other thing which is really important for me is the flip side of that is that I'm also really interested in states of undress and uh, nudity and people in their underwear. So there's that tension between dressed and undressed and what that says about identity is really important. So, you know, do we speak more with our clothes on or do we speak more with them off? And, you know, these sorts of questions are always really interesting to me and also then on a bigger metaphorical level as well. Linda, I wanted to ask, you are talking about certain things that represent uh, a gender in fashion. Are there certain things that you could could discuss about that? Like are there particular items in fashion that you're referring to or yeah. types of fashion or materials? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the... the items that I'm thinking of are ones that I guess I have recently worked with or I'm currently working with. So uh, I'm thinking about fans and scarves. I'm currently obsessed with dressing gowns. I mean, all of those items are used by both men and women, but fans particularly are looked upon in the West as being very feminine Mm -hmm. and as being really uh, expressions of femininity. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although as an object, you know, when they're open, they're like a vagina and when they're closed, Mm. they're like a penis. So that, to me, is really (laughs) intriguing. Um, And so, that yeah, fans are fascinating to me. Scarves are really fascinating to me and scarves are obviously worn by both men and women, uh, but the material of silk is something that I kind of quite obsess with and that is sort of more typically seen as a a, a more feminine Mm. material. Um, although it's really earthy. And so all these kind of tensions are always really interesting mm. to me. And do you think like in, say, for example, like the silk scarf, um, do you think that that kind of, um, and perhaps you could talk about um, your work for using the scarves, but in particular, do you think like um, the role of them in fashion is is pretty interesting in terms of what actually goes on these scarves and the motifs that are on these scarves, for Yeah. Instance. Well, I mean, look, scarves, I mean, scarves are, to me, are quite fascinating anyway because they're, they are bought, worn by both men and women. They're, you know, they're the simplest sort of item of clothing you could possibly have. They're, yeah. you know, minor square and part of that is the simple. The simplicity of that shape is important, but, you know, they keep you warm, they keep you cool, they cover you up, they expose you, they've mm. got sort of, they're so multi-functional. Um, but so my scarves, the work that I've made with scarves um, in a series called Silk Cut, my scarves have um, pictures of erect penises on them. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're dick pics, but they're dick pics put into the real world mm-hmm. and made really sensual, mm-hmm. unlike the the uh, digital mm-hmm. alternative. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're also, I also art directed them really carefully so that they can be worn as quite colourful sensual scarves uh, and nobody would know what yeah. what you actually what yeah. on that. I've seen people wearing them and they become quite abstracted. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean it's actually hard to it's actually difficult to make make it obvious that there is a penis on them. Mm. And you know, and I designed them so that that's the way that they would be. That, you know, there is still this sense of them being mm. being hidden. Although, you know, as soon as you sort of fold them out, yeah. they've got enormous, <laughs> far larger than life size penises on them. <laughs> 
And I think that's really, um, like when I saw that work, I was really interested because certainly in fashion, like there's been some some moments where like use of the photographic nude on fabric has kind of come about and that's definitely something that happened kind of mid-90s with people using it. Also like people like Jean-Paul Gaultier um, in many, many collections there's like, you know, the tailored jacket with the man sort of torso, but it's used in much more of a trompe l'oeil way, which is very classic in fashion, that kind of motif, um, or the full kind of naked body dress. Um, so I was really interested in how, um, and as you mentioned, the art direction kind of um, loses that sort of that one-to-one scale. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's sort of all sorts of um, interesting tensions and I guess there's something that they have a, they have a life of, their own yeah. and uh, people interpret them and uh, and I guess appreciate them in different ways mm. all the time. And, I mean, one of my kind of first sort of um, interest in, in them was uh, as somebody who's done a lot of portraiture and particularly male portraiture was that, well, this is a really close-up portrait. Um, <laughs> and uh, Intimate portraiture. Very intimate portraiture, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That was actually something that I was really interested in with the scarves was that people would wear them and I had been working in a photography department. I'd got so fed up with the preciousness of photographs mm. and people making enormous prints which were then so fragile and you always have to wear gloves and so mm. then the fact that you would screw up a photograph and you would sweat on it mm. uh, was so subversive and, yeah, that was actually something that, yeah, the whole issue of worn clothing was yeah. something that I was thinking about. And silk's really interesting because silk, like, actually becomes kind of starts to disintegrate with sweat, with light, um, like the archival quality of, you know, the photographic print on the silk scarf is really limited because it's, it's, it's radically affected by the elements. And it's the thing that kind of makes fashion really interesting um, in that representation of the effects of the body, which is really kind of beautiful, like that is altered in that way um, and and certainly like silk is kind of fragile and also being it's, it can easily tear, it can easily kind of snag. Um, yeah, it's definitely not kind of like a But it's plastic. made by worms, you know. It's exactly. so earthy as well. It's, yeah. I mean, to me it's just such an intriguing material. I do wonder how these shifts in fashion towards the body and towards nudity might follow other social changes as well because I immediately think, you know, the 90s followed all of those social movements in the 70s and 80s around, you know, feminism and um, queer rights and the like. I do wonder whether there's correlations as well with shifts in fashion and the body with social change. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. And I think, like, with in fashion it's also, like, in terms of representing the body and the nude body, um, like, there are the, there, there's, like, the literal kind of what I was talking about before, like, the photographic representation that's actually been really, along with social changes, it's been really linked to techno technological changes, like the ease in printing, um, in things like digital printing. I feel that's really increased the different forms that the nude body has been represented in 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 fashion and the use of photographic media on cloth. Um, and then also textile, like the culture and history of textiles really links to the portrayal of the body 
um, and how much of the body has been kind of constructed. Socially, I think definitely the kind of the the expression of of, of gender, sexuality, um, and how this is expressed in the media has really affected fashion and how the nude is represented, I would say. Yeah, I mean, absolutely, undoubtedly. And I guess the most obvious, uh, and in a sense it's a banal reference, but the proliferation of porn has really affected mm. fashion and the body, the mm. shapes that we see and the the styles that have been fashionable. But, I mean, also that means that, you know, then there's also a move towards much more modest fashion. Mm. So fashion constantly reacts mm. against itself. Mm. Um, so that's always really, that's always fascinating. Yeah. And I guess now it's, it's we're in a really interesting period where, like, in terms of the the representations of an ideal type of body. I feel that this is in a space which is really kind of expanding at the moment. Yeah. Um, and the type of body that people are kind of um, in, in that kind of high fashion sphere, the, the, the type of body sort of being presented as an ideal is really, really expanded. Bodies are becoming so much more androgynous and that yeah. we're actually I feel like we're in a time where things are really expanding and it's yeah. going to be actually really different um, or it could be the possibilities that are really there that yeah. are kind of very but it's exciting now. It's also interesting to see how the fashion industry responds in a commercial sense as well, recognising mm. all these are these shifts that are happening and there becomes well, this capitalisation on it yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think it's like you can just look at any kind of recent um, catwalk and many designers are kind of challenging uh, the, the notion of a particular presentation for men's or women's wear that's kind of really slipping at the moment so many designers including like recently Gucci um Balenciaga or no actually Vetements they present both like the collections actually not separately presented which was classically always separate um men's wear fashion weeks and women's wear fashion weeks which is really kind of slipping at the moment so I think that's capturing it yeah is there a cynical response to that to say that perhaps having androgynous Items of clothing opens up your market? <laughs> I'm sure it does. Um, I think that, well, I mean, the other, yeah, absolutely. I mean, fashion has already, is also just, has just kind of exploded in the last five years with kind of uh, this whole area of streetwear that's been kind of taken up by um, high fashion houses and sold for really exorbitant prices. So, Yes, <laughs> you can sell a hoodie to anyone. Um, so I think like, there's a whole area of fashion now that is in this ambiguous zone and I don't think it's going anywhere soon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of your work, Lyndall, also engages with questions we've kind of touched on a little bit of masculinity and desire and representation of particularly young men's bodies. Recently, um, I just recently made a work that was deliberately erotic, which is the first time that I've done that and, and people will tell me that my work is sexy and they find my work sexy, but that was not my kind of motivation. But but just recently I did make a video or complete a video that was that I made to be erotic for straight women. And of course anyone else who finds it erotic is it's fabulous. I mean I think straight men are also finding it erotic, but I thought this is what I'm setting out to do. This is the soundtrack composed by Ducks 
for Lindell's video work, Alchemical Breakfast. The work is projected across a gallery wall and shows a wide-angle shot of the back of a shirtless young man in a sharehouse kitchen holding a large fan. He swings seductively to the music and turns around to reveal one side of the fan is a vulva, while the other shows an erect penis. He then starts dancing. That work is very much about desire and uh, ultimately establishing a kind of a narrative that I found desirable. And uh, I recently showed that work and three separate women said to me at the opening, I love him. They were drawn in. And there's a lot of eye contact in that work and that was very important to me that it needed to be really intimate. Uh, so desire was absolutely on my mind in making that in making that work and I and I guess I kind of unpacked a whole lot of uh, ultimately quite personal things about how am I going to make this work erotic and how am I going to make this work really desirable. Um, as you were talking um, about your video work, I started thinking of, um, you know, the classic kind of tropes or what has been in the last kind of five, well, five years. It's kind of changing now, but the classic tropes of, the male kind of body used quite a lot in in things like um, perfume advertising um, in in fashion, um, and how that body has been used in a really kind of specific way. Female body as well. One question I was interested in hearing you both respond to as well is around whether you think the codes for representation along gendered lines are shifting, in particular, and even over the course of your practice, Lyndall, I'm sure you've seen these shifts in gender representation that have both been reflected and also led by artists like you. I'm wondering how you see that. Yeah, I mean, I think I really think that we're definitely, yeah, I think we're at a really exciting moment. I mean, I think that, um, yeah, definitely over the time that I've been working, there has been enormous changes. I mean, the nature of fashion uh, is that it it changes. My kind of engagement with current fashion has definitely waned but i but but these changes exist you know beyond the fashion industry mm. and i i just think with the awareness around transsexuality i just think things are really changing and that people yeah i think a lot of people are thinking are, are, are feeling a lot more gender fluid without necessarily um uh, you know, identifying it as being trans at all. And actually mm. I, did, I did have a really interesting conversation with a, a straight guy who quite often wears dresses around the house and he said, and he's been doing this for years, but he said, now I think I'm ready to, you know, take them out of the house. And, that you know, he his comment was that his trans brothers and sisters had, you know, done the necessary work that he was going to be able to wear a dress in the street. Um and I think, you know, those sorts of changes, yeah, I think are really are really interesting. And in a city like Melbourne and where I live in Berlin, uh, you know, that's just very visible on the street all the time now, I think. It's not necessarily easy, mm. but it's there. But I think a lot of inspiration for your work these days seems to come from that, from the streets, from these encounters Well, it kind of, well. it always did. I mean, it definitely always did. And and I, the, I mean, it's, you know, in a sense, that kind of really current fashion was, um, my interest in that really current fashion was 
was pretty brief and it was in the early 90s and, and at that time I was really engaged with contemporary fashion but but it has always been about the street and even at that time I was really interested in grunge but I was really interested in the fact that grunge had existed as a street fashion and that, you know, it was this kind of perversion that it was on the, mm. on the catwalk and that that was the perversion was kind of interesting to me. Interesting to think that in a sense now also the street has crumbled and that it's mm. much more about... Instagram and mm. selfies and something that you might not even leave, you might yeah, not get to the street. street. Yeah, no, the real street doesn't exist. <laughs> you don't actually get out of the house. Um, <laughs> that the the fashion exists, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, on the screen. I think it's really affected, yeah, the way, the, the sort of role of fashion and definitely the relationship with fashion and identity has really kind of expanded outside of that. And certainly what you're sort of saying about... Um, like uh, transgendered people and the evolution of that through fashion has happened really kind of um, and maybe drew your question about fashion profiting from it um, potentially. I mean, you know, many people have referred to the use of transgendered models in fashion as tokenistic, um, similar with with different um, representations and diversity of, of, of race as well. Um, but I think it, it, it has definitely um, entered that sphere. But I think it's probably, in some cases at least, reached the point where that has become normalised as well, it where has. it's no longer a token yeah. engagement, but rather this is the state of the world. Mm. I mean, we're sort of having conversations, and this is like at an academic level, about whether this notion of women's wear and men's wear should actually be in our programs and whether that will actually in time just erode. Yeah, um, it's still kind of intact... Um, to a certain degree, certainly we have had many different kind of studios that explore it, but um, still at the end of the day there are these archetypes of women's wear and men's wear at a kind of a graduate level. And, um, yeah, we've started to kind of talk whether that's actually, that will go, yeah. I mean, the kind of the gender-neutral suit was such a modernist dream yeah. and it's so interesting because I feel like where we're at now is not within that modernist dream at no. all. We're somewhere really different. Yeah. But it's interesting to think of, like, the Courage uh, onesies and, mm. uh, and, you know, and also, I mean, that was also kind of part of that 60s wife thing, mm. but, that, but those bodies were so, had to be so controlled and that women women had bodies like men in order to mm. fit into that mm. modernist gender-neutral dream yeah. and we're in such a different place now. I'm wondering mm. how effective you both think art is for engaging with this kind of space, but I suppose for this episode it's equally relevant to ask how fashion is effective at engaging with these kind of issues, and by which I mean the kind of social issues that you're dealing with or the kind of conceptual issues you're dealing with. Uh, I mean, I think fa fashion is an amazing way to discuss gender and, to, and you know, to experiment with gender. I mean, it's so fundamental. I mean, you just sort of think about, you know, when you're a kid and, uh, yeah, we, we all do it to some mm. extent. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I think fashion is a totally amazing way to engage with gender and fashion and, uh, and art, as for art, um, uh yeah, maybe fashion's more effective. Mm. <laughs> but, I mean, I, you know, uh, I mean, I don't work. I I mean, the only time I've ever made a fashion item is is the scarf. So so for me, you know, fashion is, is always within, or for the things that I make, fashion is always within art 
anyway. Mm. Um, I find it interesting you say that too, because for me, there's this slippage that happens. I had a friend who bought one of the scarves and I was trying to work out whether they'd bought an item of fashion by an artist or an artwork by an artist. And where that line is. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm always fascinated by that. I mean, the other, you know, also with that work, um, is it porn or is it art? I mean, I am kind of increasingly fascinated by the fine line between fashion and porn. And I think that mm. they bring up sort of similar issues. And, you know, one of them being to offend to offend art people, you know, as soon as you say it might be fashion or it might be porn, then, you know, art people are, are outraged by the, um, the compromise of the importance of art. My engagement with her work has definitely been mediated through how other people have put her into shows or her own text about her work. So I'm Pippa Milne and I'm speaking from up in Brisbane at the moment where I am an Associate Curator of International Art with Quagoma, but I've been the Curator at the Centre for Contemporary Photography down in Melbourne for a few years before this and I'm about to take up a role down at Monash Gallery of Art as Senior Curator. So I've been and sort of am in the the photography curatorial field, mostly in Melbourne, that's me. Well, one of the main ways that Lindell engages with these types of ideas is through using documentary photography, um, but using aspects of her real life to sort of investigate and dig deeper into these uh, words and ideas that are floating around like gender and identity and representation. And what I mean by by using her real life, it sort of seems like she's co-opting the idea of documentary photography uh, and at times staged photography and that sort of that blurry line between the two of them. And she's she's working with people and working with herself in a way that isn't um, sort of polemical. She's documenting and staging things that are already going on. I think this is an interesting way of dealing with these ideas of gender and um, identity and representation and is doing it through quite an unspectacular lens. Finally, how effective do you think art is for engaging with these themes um, around gender representation and the body and the like? Well, I think that art has the capacity to engage really effectively with these ideas. I feel quite unsure, though, about the idea that it needs to have an outcome or engage for sort of to create an effect or a measurable effect, at least. These ideas of gender and and representation are becoming quite well investigated by art makers and this is for really good reason because we're sort of we're traversing this time when ideas like this are are being discussed on on new levels and um, demands are being made about the language that we use and the way that certain groups are represented and I think that all of these discussions are really fantastic and the fact that art can facilitate this is just one of its many important roles. Fieldwork is produced by Shannon Goodwin and me, Drew Pettifer, and supported by Bus Projects. Audio production, editing and mixing by Beck Fari. Our theme music is by Martin King. 
Lachlan Sue is our graphic designer. Our intern is Jake Davies. Special thanks to all today's guests. That's it for this episode of Fieldwork. For past episodes and information on how to subscribe, head to fieldworkpodcast.com.au. In our next episode, William Young on queer rights and representation. Through our history, the gay community has never been represented. It's always been invisible and people recognised a gay idiom, if you like, and they were proud of it and they thought that our story should be told. That's next time on Fieldwork.